Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to Uncut Sports Talk, featuring your host, Rhino, Brian Casher. I've known for a long time that you have no clue about baseball, and you literally go into a little room that's set up Moneyball style. You got four-eyed Bill in there, reading off algorithms about players' talents, successes, whatever you guys punch into those things, you know, skills. But for Christ's sake, can you move away from the computer one time and let me enlighten you on something? We won 100 fucking games in the regular season last year. 100. We got our tits absolutely blown off in the postseason. And let me enlighten you on something else. Judge Blaine and your co-host, Paz. The NFL is a joke. Um... The players, I feel bad for the players, honestly. Like, there's a lot of guys that probably, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys on that New Orleans team that, you know, are, are the 53rd man on that roster. And that extra $75,000 that they would have gotten for going to the Super Bowl, um, you know, in terms of the playoff checks, is probably a huge deal to them. I feel really bad for those guys. Um, I don't really give a shit about the, the, the top guys as much, obviously. But, I mean, like, lives are changed. Careers are changed. Um, you know, even the coaches, too. Same thing. Like, there's a lot of those ancillary coaches that if they get their, you know, their their offensive line to the Super Bowl, maybe they're up for, a, you know, a, a an offensive coordinator job somewhere or, you know, something like that. It, it, it's, it's just a, a, a snowball that starts at the top of the mountain and just completely continues gathering momentum, gathering growth until it, it hits the bottom guys. And unfortunately, those are the guys that suffer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Uncut Sports Talk featuring Rhino, Rhino and Friends. I'm your host, Rhino. It's our Thursday night, February 21st. Two co-hosts, pause me. What's going on tonight, buddy? Not much. Uh, happy it's Thursday, and uh, happy to have some good college basketball games to look, for, uh, look forward to this weekend. Yes. Um, all right, so this show could have went a lot differently. Um, I was definitely borderline... Uh, striking and and just completely just putting myself into a closet and locking myself away for a good month or two because what transpired last night with the loss of Zion Williamson would have been completely um, I don't even know a word for it I literally felt like somebody walked into my house yesterday took a gun shot me just straight in the heart and just let me lay there that's that's basically how I felt um I've been talking about for weeks how I just tried to tamper my expectations. Um, I put a lot into this team and uh, just in Duke in general, uh, you know, everybody kind of has a getaway uh, for some it's, you know, eating and, and chocolate um, for some it's unfortunately other things, gambling and drugs and alcohol addiction. Uh, for me, it's the likes of Duke and really Duke above m- a lot else and then kind of the Yankees and uh, my other teams and, and video games. That's what I do to kind of get away from work and life. And um, when Duke bails out of the tournament, I'm pretty much n- nowhere to be found for a little while. And when uh, something like that yesterday happens where I'm so amped up, um, I watch like 10 hours of Duke video a day. Literally, that's how much I love the Duke basketball program and the team. 
Uh, when someone like Zion goes down, when you're like amped up and you finally like fully invested and you're willing to know that there's a risk at hand that, you know, they could lose, um, he goes down and, you know, we'll get into a couple different points on the the injury itself and the other outside clickbait topics, which I'll call them, but, uh, it was just a big blow. Um, about an hour or so ago, they released that it's a grade one MCL sprain, which is really the best news probably that you could get. Uh, hyperextension could be six to 12. Sometimes people get over in a week. Sometimes it's 12 weeks, sometimes never. Um, anything grade one, for people that don't know, grade three is the worst. Grade one is the least. So anything grade one means that there was no tear at all. Grade two is a partial. Grade three is a full. So um, really the best news that you could have got as a Duke fan. A um, little bit mixed stuff today on the boards, but, you know, some people said they went to get uh, his stepdad, went to get his mom out of the crowd yesterday to agree or disagree to let him go back in because he wanted to go back in. Others said it was for worse news. It seems like the latter or the, yeah, the latter was the actual truth that, you know, he wanted to go back in and play last night. Uh, to me, meaningless. I don't give a shit about losing to Carolina. Honestly, I really could care less. This is the best team in college basketball by a, a, a mile. It's not even close. The number two basketball team is not even in Duke's is can't even wear Duke's boxers, plain and simple. Um, I don't care about this. I don't care if he sits out the rest of the regular season, and I don't care if he sits out the ACC tournament because coach is going to sit them out anyway. That's what he always does. If we have a one seed or an overall one seed locked up, he don't play the guys in the regular tor- ACC tournament, or he gets the first win, and that's all they need. And he's like, okay, I know I got the one seed, and they don't play in the semis of the championship or the quarters in the semis championship. So I don't care if he sits out the next – you know what? He could sit out the next seven weeks. I don't. We don't need him in the first round uh, or the first the first weekend either. So um, that's kind of my thoughts about the injury. Could have been way worse, and I'm glad we got the news that we did. So um, Paz and I are both going to kind of go into three or f- three. I have three or four. To- I have three topics and one suggestion about the thing. And if you want to call in and discuss Zion Duke. Or anything else, uh, 657-383-1692. We'll take all calls. doesn't matter where you take us. We could always go back to what we were speaking on. Um, so almost what the injury means to Duke is really kind of almost null at this point. What's the point of discussing it? But um, I've said it all season long from the from Jump Street, from when Trey got hurt. Um, you, the two players that Duke cannot lose and expect to win a national title are Zion Williamson Trey Jones. I'm telling you right now, we could lose R.J. Barrett and still win a national title. I have, There's no doubt in my mind about that at all. Um, and if anybody didn't see that last night, don't know what to tell you. Uh, Zion goes out against Florida State. They automatically go inside, score all their paints, paint, or the points in the paint, dominate the inside. I've said it for a billion years also since the day. Uh, Bolden will go down as one of the most over- uh, ranked prospects in the history of college basketball. I believe he was third in the class that he originally came in on. He hasn't been in the top 100 to 200 players in college basketball um, in any of the years. So I'll, I'll give him all three of the years. Not even close. He's terrible. He gets abused every time Zion's not in the game. He's not a good player. He got abused the other night against uh, Louisville. He gets abused, at, but it got abused by Florida State. 
He got abused last night. Javi is not in these guys' class. Uh, while Javi hustles his ass off, plays with all his heart, no doubt he's not the caliber of these players. Duke cannot win a national title if they don't have Zion Williamson, and Duke cannot win a national title if they don't have Trey Jones. Simple, plain and simple, cut and dry. I'm telling you right now, they would be better odds with R.J. Barrett out than they will ever be odds-wise with Zion or Trey Jones out. Um, again, if you can't see that, you're just not watching Duke basketball. It's plain and simple. Um, and there's a lot of these clickbait guys that clearly tune in for two or three games this whole season and think they know the entire team up and down. Um, you call in to 657-383-1692. I would love to put you into the fire because you guys don't know what you're talking about. Um, so since that, that topic's kind of an easy one now, since we got the news before we came on, why don't you just take that, that part, uh, pause with what the injury means to Duke. Yeah, um, I, I'm sort of on the same wavelength as you. Um, I think that it really doesn't mean much at the moment, assuming obviously that what they're saying is the truth and there's no, you know, hiding and they're, you know, trying to keep something quiet. So let's just take take them at their word that it's just a, a simple sprain and he's listed as day-to-day. I mean, it doesn't mean anything at all. What are they? Who do they – they have the last game against Carolina as like the, the main – um, you know, the main regular season matchup left. And then, like you said, even if they lose, they're not going to lose to Syracuse. They probably have a couple of, like, you know, not not difficult games left before Carolina. If they lose to Carolina again, and then they lose in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament, they're still going to be a one seed. So it really doesn't matter. Like you said, it really doesn't matter to them where um, – you know, what, what happens to them the rest of the regular season and the ACC tournament. So he has a good four to five weeks to before he really has to play in a, in a competitive game. You would obviously like for him to be there for that first weekend of the, of the tournament just to have, you know, game endurance back and, and you know, working with the teammates back and, th- in, you know, in real game scenarios. So I would be a little concerned if he missed that first weekend of the, of the tournament as well just in terms of cohesion and, and uh, you know, endurance on his standpoint. But, yeah, like you said, it, it really doesn't matter for them moving forward for the next three or four weeks um, at all. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change their, their standing in the, in the um, you know, in the tournament. And if it does, that's just, I think, the committee being totally naive. And, uh, you know, like I said, even if they end up with five losses going into the tournament, that would be, mean they lose two more games. They're still the best team in the country and deserve to be a number one seed by far. Haven't lost yet with a healthy team, plain and simple. Lost without right. Zion, lost without Trey, lost um, and Zaga, who was thrown up. Barrett, Reddish, Reddish. Reddish against uh, that. I, that I mean, that was Honestly, that was Barrett's fault. That was Barrett's fault anyway. We're in the game, but neither here nor there have not have not uh, lost a game this season with our full squad. Um, so, like you said, if the committee can't see that, you know, again, I mean, they they listen. They do a lot of things with blinders on anyway, so nothing would surprise me. But uh, I'm not worried about them, whether what seed they get either. I don't give a shit if they're uh, they freaking drop to a seven seed. I don't care. They're going to steamroll the whole tournament, so it doesn't really matter. Um, all right, part two of, of kind of what the injury and, and um, a lot of just a lot of NBA players who I'll get to because, of course, you know, it's never the guys that, like, 
that are like are good people and just straightforward and straight up dudes. Like it's always just absolute scum that comes out of the freaking woodwork that has comments and just telling Zion what to do. I always find that funny. But um, this is one of the topics in college sports that really, really just absolutely infuriates me. Um, all right. One. So the money aspect. Okay. One. Donovan Mitchell, DeMarcus Cousins, shut the fuck up. Okay. Donovan Mitchell, where you're, you were part of a Ponzi scheme of Adidas dropping duffel bags off in the back of a truck, backloading them into your dining hall and being handed out to your basketball team individually on a weekly basis, along with prostitutes being driven to your, specifically, your five guys' dorm rooms to have sex with prostitutes on a uh, bi-weekly or weekly basis, possibly two times even a week. And you're about to have your team and teammates are about to be suspended for, uh, get Louisville suspended for a minimum of three years from anything. Okay. So shut your mouth. You have got paid off more than enough money at Louisville. You were an absolute scumbag there and you, you're going to ruin it for four people that are four years under you now because of the actions that you had. So you just open your mouth about anything uh, for these younger guys as a, as a word of advice and tip, shut your fucking mouth. Nobody cares what you have to say. No one wants to hear what the fuck you have to say. You're a scumbag and you should never give advice to anybody else until you change your ways because you're the reason that your program is getting shut down. You're one of them. Okay. That's one. Two, DeMarcus Cousins, another guy who plays for a guy who has already gotten two, three programs shut down, if you consider the D2 one, two, pro, two Division I major programs shut down, a D2 program shut down, and is continuously uh, in trouble with allegations and gets duffel bagged over there, which is a fact. Okay? Another one, shut your fucking mouth. You were paid off just en- more than enough, as was fucking Mr. Donovan Mitchell. Okay? That's, that's for one. So, Let's talk, first of all, if you, if you aren't somebody that's in, in a realm that should be advising younger people, stop, please, because you don't know what you're talking about. You are literally living, forgetting about the things you did in the past that are having a direct effect now on some of these guys I look up to you and listen to. Okay, so that's the first part. The second part that really annoys me is, is the things like Jay Williams. And Jay Will was one of my favorite players of all time. But like, Jay Will continuously says like the same shit, like sit out, everybody sit out. It's almost like, and I read his, his biography, great biography, great book. He, he tells the truth about the prescription addiction that he ended up having for six, seven years and, and, and find himself at a, a hole in the wall bar in New York city, passed out on the bar, being woken up by cops and having to be walked home, whatever. I, I, I respect him admitting what he went through and his faults. But he has this vendetta against the NCAA now that, like, is just so annoying. Like, any time anything happens, somehow he is the literally the face of whatever's going on. He made six, vid- six selfie videos today about the Zion Williams situation, how he should not go back to school, how he should never play another game, how all these guys that want to go one year should never play again. Like, are you salty that you rode a motorcycle into a pole? Like, I, I just, I don't get the dynamic of why you continuously are, same thing in the college football, with the college football guy sitting out, the, why is he, why are you making videos? You're the college basketball analyst. Why are you on the college football face of the game? 
I love you. You were my favorite player for a long, long time until Tyus Stones Jones came along and Andy Pettit retired, which just made me love him more. I can't, I like literally can't take you anymore. Like I can't listen to you. It's like almost like someone told you you're too biased towards Duke. Now you're always against Duke. Every, always, 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 always a college game day. You pull out a different jersey, never the Duke jersey now. It's like, I get it. You went there. You don't want people to think you're biased. Like, if you think the team's going to win, they're going to win. If you think something is in, in, for the best of everyone, that's fine. But, like, you don't need to be the face of it all, okay? You drove your bike into a pole after you got out of college basketball, okay? All these guys, you keep saying all these guys are risking the injury and getting millions. Who? Can you tell me five guys that were stone-cold locked top 10 first-round picks in any college sport that ended their career? If you can name 10 for me in that, another selfie video, please send it to me. I got to know. I got to know. It's driving me crazy, dude. Like, you're actually making – you're pushing me to the line of, like, disliking you. And it's, it's really fucking irritating. Because you keep saying the same shit, but you got no facts behind it. I just want to know. Call me up. Tell me 10 people right off the top of your head without Googling it who were stone cold, luck. Top five picks. I'll give you top 10. In college basketball, any college sport, I don't even care about it. It's just college basketball, football, any of them, because they all have meeting. Any of them that have a pro thing, they're a top block to go top five or top ten to their professional draft that their career was ruined in college. Don't Google it. Call me up and give me ten names. But you can't. Nobody can. That's the problem. To the next point. I'm not for people not sitting out, okay? And that's not, it's not what it's about. And I'm not, if, if he decided, Zion decided not to come back, I get it, man. Believe me, I get it. But the fascination that all these people have, like these kids have nothing going for them or they're getting nothing is so fucking ridiculous. It, it should, it's like, it's the most irritating thing of all of it. Okay. First of all, when I applied to Duke back in years, this is 2000, well, it was 2004, tuition was 65K for an out-of-state student. The average tuition has gone up $11,000 in over like whatever the last other, other years, as I saw a report on Sally Mae. So give or take, going to Duke, I didn't even Google it, it's probably $75,000. Okay, first of all, they're getting $75,000. Okay, right off the bat. Let's just call it 75, tuition 75. They're getting a $75,000 they're going for a year, something I have to pay. I'm paying $75,000. I have a loan, had a loan. I took it out, paid myself $75,000, okay? They're getting that. That's one, okay? Two, I coached in college, okay? Part of my coaching thing was I got, I got less money on the back end, so less money for my hours worked and, and, and stuff like that. But I got a free dining plan, which at a small school is $4,000. I would say at Duke, probably 10K, okay? And however, and part of it, I was allowed to eat there six times a day because that was the average meals that somebody that's supposed to, because was, it was considered athletic dining plan because I was a coach. So six times a day, okay? So do you... Did, if anybody watched the Duke Plus on ESPN Plus or Duke whatever it is, whatever it's called with the 10 episodes, okay, all of these guys are on a five- to six-day meal plan. They have a personal chef, okay? They have a 
personal uh, trainer, one for each of them. They have the cut man who gets paid $1.2 million, whatever his Twitter handles, the cut man or whatever it is, $1.2 million to be a doctor. They have pools for training. They have all these athletic facilities and everything like this. Okay, so let's that up. So I pay probably about $2,500 a year to go to the gym. Um, I spend $120 at ShopRite every single week, and that doesn't include – that's for um, – I eat literally like once a day. I know it's not good, but I eat like once a day. Okay. So that doesn't, so let's, let's add it. If I let's say I uh, ate five times a day, which all those times in the week. So let's times that by six. So that's about $600 a week, $700 a week. And that's, that's the bare bone shit. I'm not, I'm not buying, you know, crazy stuff. Okay. So now you're at 2,800. So let's call it 3,000 just for easy numbers. So that's 20, 24, 36. That's $36,000 a year on food that each of them are getting. Okay. So now we're over a hundred thousand dollars they're getting. That's for one year, one year. Let's say they stay for three. Now we're at over $300,000. Okay. So they're getting something. Okay. They also fly charter jet. They also, every single time you see them go to New York city for these trips and tournaments, they're eating at places that the steak is $107. I checked because I thought, Hey, maybe I should, if they all love this, that's so much that like coach K goes every year. Maybe I should go grab one. $107 was the cheapest steak. Okay. Whole team's eating there. Okay. So let's not forget they get some perks. Okay. And I, look, I'm not saying that, um, that it's not justifiable and they shouldn't be getting more. I'll get to that because I have a, a thing that I thought maybe would be a good solution. Um, should they get a percentage of their apparel sold and tickets sold? Yes. A hundred percent. I agree with that wholeheartedly, but like the fact that people come out and say they get absolutely nothing, like it, it, the going to college is the biggest waste of all time because they get nothing from it. Oh, uh, you know, blah, 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 tickets sold for 3000 yesterday, but, you know, these kids don't get paid a dollar. I just broke down one year for you. They get over $160,000 for one year at Duke, one year, okay? They stay for three till they're a junior. Pause my math guy. It's $475,000 they got, okay, for free. Someone like me, I'm still paying off those. I have a very good friend, or my wife's, one of my wife's best friend, doctor, still paying off her loans. Six years later, it's been a doctor for seven, uh, yeah, six years later, has been out, has a full-time job as a doctor for three years now, still paying off her loans. Can't buy a house because the debt-to-income ratio isn't, uh, isn't allocated yet because of loans, okay? So these athletes are getting something. Let's not say they're not. Because other people are doing the same things to them. Went to the same medical school. Went to Duke Medical School. She's still paying off her loans. Full-time doctor for four years now. Still paying them off. These athletes don't ever have to invest in that. Pause. Your take on the money aspect. Yeah, that's a, a little tough uh, a tough spiel to follow there. But um, I'm just going to kind of touch on t- touch on it very lightly. Um, just kind of give my feelings and and what I think – uh, yeah, my feelings and what I think. So as far as playing basketball goes, we can all agree that basketball is a less, let's just call it less dangerous than football, correct? Yeah, I would agree. Yep. So, so not that, look, Basketball is absolutely a contact sport. It's absolutely a physical sport. These guys are are moving, you know, same thing, 100 miles an hour and, you know, banging each other and, and you know, making – obviously you can tell the, the amount of torque that um, 
not only Zion Williamson, but, you know, players of his size are putting on their bodies and, and, you know, one little misstep or one little, uh, you know, let's call it one little issue can completely derail a season, a a couple of months, uh, whatever. But in terms of, uh, you know, the injury probability, I would say basketball, your serious injury probability is far less than it is in a sport like football where, you know, you're got guys diving at your knees. So it's, you know, a torn ACL if you, if you, you know, get hit the wrong way or whatever. Yes. A torn ACL can happen in basketball as well, but the probabilities of it happening are, are far fewer. So from the standpoint of him, you know, just packing it in and saying, I, you know, I'm not going to play because I don't want to risk injury and I don't want to risk my career. I think there's a little bit less of a, uh, you know, that's like a little bit less of a, a a probability playing basketball. And from what we've all been, from what we've all seen and heard and, you know, the way that Zion talks about himself, about, uh, you know, not in a, in a bad way, just, you know, the way that he speaks, he kind of seems like the guy that, the type of guy that wants to, you know, sort of conquer everything and, you know, go down as one of the greatest college players of all time go down as one of the best NBA players of all time so honestly I think that he if he's healthy he's going to play this season so I think the you know the the just sitting out part of the thing I think for certain players it might be something that they would do but Zion just doesn't feel like the type of person that would uh that would do something like that I do agree with you in saying that some of these maybe not so upstanding guys in the NBA or guys that were, you know, kind of known or maybe not known, but, you know, kind of everyone knows it, but they don't talk about it type of thing, you know, having been paid in in terms of DeMarcus Cousins and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, unfortunately they're just two guys that are, that are just bad examples. Cause like you said, under Calipari and, and, you know, Mitchell being part of the, the Louisville thing where that whole program is, is kind of going to shit or has gone to shit, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yes, I, I do think that those are two guys that probably should keep their mouths shut. But, uh, you know, I, I don't – I wouldn't have an issue with some other NBA players possibly or some other professionals possibly trying to give him some advice. I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. Um, and, look, ultimately it's a – it's a player. It's really, it's just a player by player decision and, and a mindset. I mean, you could probably pull, you know, 50 guys that are going down, you know, in multiple years that are going down as the number one, two, three, four, five pick in the draft. And you probably get 25 guys that would say, yeah, if I had a scare like that, I'd sit out the rest of the season. And then you'd have probably 25 guys that said, no, I want to continue playing, you know, and finish out the season with my teammates. So, it's really it all comes down to the individual want, the individual needs. Look, some of it might ultimately come from a family situation where, you know, they're poor as hell and, you know, they want their they want to buy a house for their parents and they want to do things like that. I, I totally get it. Um I, you know, I was fortunate enough to not grow up in poverty and, and, and things like that and you know, I, I didn't have to quit school to get a job or, you know, things like that. So look, I get it. Everyone comes from a different scenario. Um, And, you know, for some people, the right move is to 
go straight to the pros or, or sit out and, you know, not risk injury. And then for other guys, it's, you know, um, I want to come back and I want to finish the season with my teammates. So, um, you know, like I said, what we, what we've seen from Zion, he sort of seems like the guy that wants to come back and play, wants to finish this with his teammates. And that's what I fully expect him um, to do, assuming that he doesn't have any setbacks with his rehab and, you know, his, uh, his recovery time frame. Um, then in terms of, paying players. Um, I kind of waver back and forth on this on, uh, you know, uh, almost on a daily basis. I, the part about it that I find that is very troubling is that how do you compare a player at Duke versus a player at, um, I don't know, you know, a, a, a low level D one school that, you know, is only going to the tournament if they win their conference title. And, you know, they're not obviously generating the type of revenue that a Duke is or a North Carolina is or a Kentucky is in, you know, ticket sales and, and uh, you know, jersey sales and, like, all this stuff. So it's just – it's tough to – and I assume that if it's the NCAA, they're going to want to put something in across the board because that's, you know, just how it is. So that's the part that I find troubling. I do feel that players – should be able to make money off of their own likeness. So in terms of jersey sales, they should 100% be getting a piece of the a piece of the pot. If a if a company wants to give them 10 grand to show up and sign some autographs and sign some footballs or basketballs, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to make 10 grand off of that because the school is making a hell of a lot more money off of them playing basketball, football, soccer, basketball, uh, baseball, whatever for them, that there's, there's no reason why they can't use their own image or likeness to, to generate some funds. Um, so yeah, from that standpoint, uh, they absolutely should be able to, to make money outside of school. The, the perks and the, the things that they do receive though, are things that, people don't necessarily take as much into account, which I believe they should. Um, and like you said, you're not, you, you know, you're talking about tuitions and, and uh, you know, meal plans and uh, you know, book plans and whatever, you know, everything for their, for um, you know, materials to go to class. Uh, obviously room and board is paid for, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, they're, they're receiving a lot more than just tuition. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, I think there needs to be some common ground met with the NCAA and the players because players should absolutely be getting a cut of something or making money off, being able to make money off of their own image and likeness because that's just, it's just not fair. Like I can, you know, I can be in college and I can make money off of my likeness, right? If I'm a nowadays with all these YouTube personalities and social media personalities, so why can't, Zion Williamson go to a trade show and, and sign autographs for five grand for a couple hours. There's, you know, that's, that's the type of thing that, that really doesn't make sense in the eyes of the, um, in the eyes of the NCAA. So I don't know. Um, again, another argument for that people differ greatly on, but you know, I, I, I feel like these kids put their, put their bodies on the line for too much to not be, compensated in some way or be able to make money in some way outside of just being given tuition and a meal plan and, and, uh, you know, books and, and room and board. So, you know, 
Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm with you on everything. All right. Uh, we got Nas uh, from Atlanta on the line. I believe he, he joined us before a couple of months ago. Uh, what do you got for us tonight, Nas? Yeah, well, what's up, y'all? But, uh, yeah, when you talk about things like this, the problem is, like, things that have been normalized for so long, it's hard to approach them from a different viewpoint. So we want to, you know, we want to incrementally move forward. And usually it's BS. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, are we, yep. so, are we capitalists or are we socialists over here, comrades? Because, look, if somebody can make money in the market, they should be allowed to. We shouldn't come up with restrictive ways to limit somebody's ability to make money, especially based on, uh, you know, a talent-based system. So, like, when you talk about the meal plan, tuition, and all those things, all of those things are necessary for them to play basketball for the school or football for the school. Like, all of those things are what? You know, I guess you could say benefits on the periphery, but those benefits are all things that are, what, in the school's favor. These aren't things that they're giving out because they're nice. These are necessities. And we try to present them as if they're, you know, some type of a goodwill appointment. And I think the other problem is we talk about, you know, low economic backgrounds way too much on this when it's like, nah, even if you come from a wealthy family, your worth is your worth and you should be paid your worth. You shouldn't be, uh, you know, cheated out of your money just because you're not the, you know, the heartbreaking, uh, you know, case that somebody said, oh, well, the, his mother's unemployed and he just was trying to use his talent to provide food for us. Nah, even if your family is well off, you should be compensated. So we just got to get rid of this cartel called the, you know what that group is called, and, and just yeah. call it what it is, man. Like the big five schools, they should remove themselves from the from the NCAA, and people will watch, you know, semi-pro sports, and we get to see the great talent. And then they'll, you know, some of them will go over to the NBA, and then you'll have actually more student-athletes in college uh, if that's what this is, you know, supposed to be about. And as far as, like, the framework, these are universities. They got whole econ departments. Like, they can figure out how the money should be distributed. The question is, do they want to? And the answer to that is no. And, you know, Bomani always plays that clip from the pimp, uh, keep them broke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the game. That's why you don't want anybody to win anything because once, once you know, people start looking at it in that way, this whole house of cards falls. So, yeah, players should be compensated. There's no reason for universities to basically uh, use college football and basketball to basically pay for other sports and, you know, fly them around the country and all that other stuff uh, based on, the you know, the labor of these kids. You know, you got a board of regents, you got – Hey, look, man, if you work at a bar in a college town, if you're at the University of Georgia, you're going to fight over that Saturday shift. Why? Because that means money for you. Money to <laughs> I did that, man. Like, I, I did it. Like I did it, man. That's, how I, that's how I paid my tuition. You're not kidding, dude. That's <laughs> how I paid my tuition. You're 100% right. Yeah, so that's how deep this trough goes. And, and the biggest pushback on this is regular working folks and people who went to college and didn't have certain advantages, you know, through talent, they kind of they kind of resent the kids who do have this kind of talent and don't want them to be paid, which is a sad state of affairs. Because if you're a great cello player or a great coder, guess what? You're going to get paid. Like, and, and nobody yep. would see anything wrong with that because it makes sense. But with college yep. football and basketball, man, this stuff gets in the crazy territory. I, man, I've argued with people who are the most free market capitalists you will ever see, and they will tell me a million reasons why these kids should be broke. And everybody around them should be able to make money off it. It's crazy. 
Yeah, it is crazy. All right, stay on the line. I'm actually going to do a little bit of uh, – I thought about this today as almost a proposal, and I really agree with every point you had. There's nothing I, I could argue, especially being a Duke fan for all this time. Uh, you know, another point I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier was like, you know, uh, are a lot of these programs shady? Yes. With that being said, do I think Duke is clean? I actually do. If, if, if they got busted for something as a lot of these programs are, would I be shocked? Uh, no. Would I be surprised? Yes. To, to put it that way. I, I think that a lot of coach K's success from the Olympics and the likes of LeBron and Kobe saying they would have gone with coach K if they had gone to college and a lot of the Olympians coming out of the, uh, all, all different years of Olympics really saying, you know, I wish I knew that's how the type of coach K was and the type of person he was before I committed elsewhere. I would have went to Duke instead really has pushed their kind of recruiting forward um, on that edge. And but my point is, is kind of what Nas said, is that there's a lot of these student athletes where people will just say it's because these they're, they're broken, underprivileged kids, and it's not. Because Duke, for years, 10, 15, 20 years, I go down the likes of a ton from the Mike Dunleavy's to the, the boozers who lived for, with one lamp in Alaska before he came over here. Uh, and all these guys that are uh, J.J. Red, Grayson Allen, who came from a very, very wealthy mansion in Florida, um, so it's not just about underprivileged and getting it. So here's kind of a, a, a thought I had is that the one thing, and I, I'm, a, I'm with Nas, I don't think the NCAA ever wants to break up because they're making so much money that, that that's really uh, what I like to call in my field, the bark of the tree that has many limbs that comes off it. The bark of the tree is that the NCAA doesn't want to part with any of their money, plain and simple. Uh, but I thought of something today that I thought would be a good suggestion. So the one thing that they always say is that, oh, well, you know, we wouldn't know what to do because, you know, uh, swimming is only bringing in uh, $10,000, but football is bringing $7 million, So there's no way we could distribute this. So how about this? And especially with someone like Paz, who's on our co-host, a finance guy. Um, look, you could come up with an easy percentile of revenue gained from each sport, from apparel, tickets, sales in the stadium. I mean, I went to a stadium, a school that was the first one to sell alcohol. So you're telling me they're not they're not making extra money for alcohol sold in the football stadium? You know they are. Okay, all that stuff added up for the sport. You got seven to ten guys on the basketball team, the scholarship players, and whatever you could figure that out. Let's just say ten for 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 what it is, even the walk-ons, right? So if you make a million off basketball, then the school needs to keep whatever for overhead. Fine. So let's just let's just call it they need to keep a hundred thousand for overhead. Why can't the nine hundred thousand be split between the ten players? They get the percentage for playing. That's a percentage of the revenue. The school gets their revenue. So don't so you cover the, the charter jet costs, you cover the meals, all that stuff. It's all taken care of. Done. They make their money back, whatever they need. Let's say maybe it's two hundred thousand, right? Why can't you split 800000 between these, t these 10 players? See, then you have football. Got 53 guys. If Alabama brought in, what was it, $38.7 last year, they said? So go ahead, cover your overhead. Let's say that takes you to $25 million. Why can't that $25 million be split between 53 players? Because now it's not about individualized sport and who makes more money here and there, and we can't differentiate this because this one should be paid more. Should the basketball be players paid more? Absolutely. 
but they're also bringing in more revenue. So there's much more money to split there. Now everything is individualized. So football brings in a million, you split in, you're split in 900 K. Uh, as swimming only brought in 10 K. Okay. So the swimmers get a divi- uh, dividable number of 10 K, whatever it is. Now those are lower numbers too. I'm just trying to do it for easy math. But if your excuse is always going to be, there's no justifiable answer on how to pay student athletes because everyone brings in different money revenue wise. So then split them up revenually. I mean, that makes kind of sense to me. Pause. What are your kind of your thoughts on that? And then and, and Nas, give me, give me what you think. Yeah. So my issue is just, what about the programs that operate at a loss? So that's where you kind of run into, you kind of that's run true. into issues. You know? I understand that. Right. But see, those pro those programs aren't screwing the the athletes, in my opinion, either. Like you know what I mean? Like uh, a Alabama's key, that thirty eight point seven million dollars that they revenued last year is going straight to them. You know what I mean? Like that the other football program is not is selling apparel. They're not selling tickets. You get them. You know what I'm saying? Like that ticket last night no, was three thousand yeah. dollars. That's all going to Duke. So like on a different well, level, no, so for like those smaller programs, was, they're not getting revenue. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's why the opt-out part is important. You remove the big five and the power business-type programs out of the NCAA, and then those programs you're talking about that operate at a loss, they become what? Actual student athletes. Uh, guess what, man? I went to a D2, played, and got a good education. Guess what? We rode a bus and played local teams because that was what we could afford to do. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. Then people get to experience the college, you know, the college uh, style of athletics and, and everything else. Your family comes out, the locals come out, and you, you have a good experience. But the idea that you should be burning up money that you didn't earn from these other people who aren't being compensated is absurd. And, and like I said, no matter what, if we don't get to the point of saying they should be compensated, then we'll always run into the, the whataboutism of, well, what about the golf team? Or what about the, this team? Or what about this school that doesn't make any money? It's like, no, they're not a part of this conversation. Those two things have to be separated. But it, 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 it's, it's basically bad faith arguing. So, like, they'll come, they'll come up with anything uh, in order mm-hmm. to figure out a way. They'll hide behind the women's basketball team, who they don't support as far as right. going to the game. But then all of a sudden they'll become the greatest advocate for women's basketball and saying how they should be compensated just as much as the men. And you're like, dude. Don't use Title Nine as a cudgel, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. So Nas, 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 let me ask you a question. Do you think that the Power Five conferences should be split just for like basketball and football because those are like the two main revenue generators, or do you think it should be for you know for their entire uh, suite of of uh, you know sports programs with their at their school? Uh, I mean, it's just like a business. The schools who have the revenue and have the size to be able to support something like this and really go into business on this, they should be able to. And the other one should stay behind and do amateur sports and actually have student athletes, the things we always talk about. Like, let's be real about this, man. People are on scholarship who would not be welcome on that university if they didn't have a certain talent. And when we talk about them being steered into classes that will not advance them as far as getting a degree or help their lives because you're just trying to keep them eligible, and I know about that because my freshman year, boy, you should have seen them, of course. Ooh, but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's a normal practice, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't even think mm-hmm. about that. Oh, that's yeah. a normal oh, practice. 100%. These, are, these, are, these are higher institutions of learning, man. They have to do better. Yep. Yeah. 
absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that was a really, you brought up some really good points, Miles. Thanks for the call. Um, he always yeah, does, man. I'm actually That's thinking about two in a row. I, yeah, I'm actually thinking about this now in a completely different way, and I think we might have to revisit this on Monday because I think I'm gonna jot some stuff down and kind of run with Nas's idea and put down some numbers and things like that. And I'll, cause right now it's just, it's everything's just swirling in my mind and I'm trying to, you know, figure out which way is up. But I think that is actually a pretty, pretty good idea. So let me just ask you one last point on that. Nas. So when you're saying that these become basically like, uh, you know, basically they become their own professional league, let's just call it or semi-professional league. Right. So are they still, do you, are are they still going to class as well, or is this now just become like a basically like a professional basketball league? No, then they become the student athletes that they're supposed to. So now, okay, okay. you're either going to uphold the you know educational requirements or you're not. So to me, if you still want to use it as a form of, to be honest, think about it, man. Think of what you think of Georgetown and some of these small universities based on you watching them for years on sports, like the branding and everything else that comes with it. Okay, now the academic side comes with it. And now maybe you don't take a kid who, who really can't handle rigorous coursework because you're actually, you know, looking at uh, the institution as a real thing. Or maybe that kid now becomes so, uh, so focused uh, that he's going to live up to uh, academic billing because he knows he's going to be compensated and it changes everything. And it's not the Calipari style of doing it. It just becomes a more, uh, I, I don't know which, which coach to use, but you know, th- there've been coaches who, who've seen this for decades and have tried to figure out ways to make sure that, you know, nobody was getting cheated, you know, as, as far as under their watch. So that's a tough one, man, but I've, I've hated the NCAA for a long time. So that's why, I, you know, I had so much to say about this, but, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, that's just. I yeah, I rough. I really like where you're. I really like where you're coming from. I like I said, being uh, being a finance guy, I'm probably gonna put some. I'm gonna put some numbers to paper, and I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna try to look up whatever I possibly can. But uh, I think we're gonna have to re- revisit this one time next week, Rhino. Um, yeah, maybe we can definitely. you know put some numbers out there and kind of you know create some scenarios and see uh, see where it's going. Nas, we'll uh, we'll look you up and or I don't know if you want to offline if you want to shoot. Uh, shoot Rhino like your Twitter or your Facebook or something, and we'll maybe we'll have you back on when we have the uh, conversation with it. Yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be work, awesome, man. man. Just let yeah. me know when, and I'll show up, man. Y'all, y'all have a All good right, night. Yeah. Thanks for letting me on. You too, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that was Nas again from Atlanta, man. Always a good caller. Gave us a call about the NFL earlier in the year and, and uh, brought up some good points about uh, some of these quarterbacks that are in the NFL. Calls up about college basketball. Like to call those on the radio frequent flyers, man, and uh, always bring a good call. And uh, you know, greatly appreciate Nas, and I'm sure he'll be back on with us soon again. Uh, so my only, the, the only last point I had, and it kind of coincides with my idea, and I sped that up a little bit, but the, I, I also think that it's it's absolutely ridiculous that you tell a player whether they can or can't go to um, the NBA. Yet out of high school. And that, that's one thing that, that does really bother me. Look, I understand that a lot of these guys maybe make bad decisions and go in there. Um, I do also get though, that that's the one point I do get from Jay Williams that look, uh, Zion has a hundred million dollar uh, shoe deal on the table. His insurance policy is, is for 10 million and you lose out on 90 million uh, basically by going to play for one year. And, and that I do get. 
uh, and in two part two, because I do think that the one year player has, 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 I don't want to say ruined the game of college basketball, but has definitely, um, what kind of word am I looking for? Downsize is not a good word. Um, I, I just think down, college basketball, watered, yeah, watered down. down or regressed. Like, I just think the game is kind of re- regressed and downsized from, uh, you know, watered down from these guys coming in for one year. If not, um, like, look, that, that team, that go, that, that J will team, you got, you got three juniors, one C, two seniors and the starting lineup. And, um, you know, that Okafor team is all fresh and why I love them. That's a different scenario. They're like a family, man. It was like crazy. But like, you know, Wojo's a senior when they go back to back and um, with uh, Leidner. Like, you know, those, when you're pounding down there like that for four years, I just think the quality of basketball is better. I also think that's why there's a vast separation of talent. Like, look, if these guys all want to go to Coach K because they know that they're going to get them NBA ready and these NBA guys love them so that, that they're taking props from LeBron and Kobe about where you should go to college. And then, um, look, like I think Duke steamrolls every single team that's in this March Madness tournament. Like I said, I don't care if they drop to a 7 seed. They're not going to have any competition. But that hurts the game of college basketball for somebody like me who loves college basketball where um, used to wake up when I was younger and every single game was a battle. Like I, I know one and the 16 thing never happened, but like you saw twos get knocked off and, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's watered down the game a little bit and I don't think you should be able to tell somebody what they're allowed to do. Like it's the same thing as like a state telling you like, Oh, you don't have these hours. Cause you, you went to school in Ma- Massachusetts. Like to me, it's the same fucking thing. Like you shouldn't be able to tell somebody how they have to live their life, how they have to go around about their professionalism. Like that's like telling somebody who's going to go to vocational school for electric or cooking or something like that. Oh no, you, you know, um, you can't do that out of school because, you know, you'll be, you, you gotta go, you gotta go somewhere for a year. You can't just cook out of school. You can't do your, your you've been part-time cooking at Outback for four years, but you, you gotta go to vocational school uh, for one year. It's crazy, man. Like if you've been, if you're a good cook and you've been doing it for four years, what, like, why do you got to spend a, t- uh, a year away from it? Like it's rock and roll, man. Like let them in. And I, I, I this is like the, the same thing. It's fucking ridiculous, man. They're, if these guys want to go and they think they're ready for high school, you're going to tell me Zion Williamson can't compete at NBA right now. Like again, again, RJ Barrett can compete at the NBA right now. There's no doubt about it. And the, the guys that uh, then the guys will have to get punched in the face in terms of like being truthful with themselves and a gut check and look themselves at the mayor. Am I really ready for the NBA? And the guys that aren't, well, just like baseball and and football, you got to stay till junior year. Then you'll be ready. That's fine. But I think like those guys will make that decision. Like Kobe Bryant knew he was ready. He went to the NBA. LeBron knew he was ready. He went to the NBA. And there's a lot that made that decision when they shouldn't. And it pan- and it, then, and then it backfires. But I think people will start being more true with themselves about where they belong if they look themselves in the mirror and understand they don't belong there. And then they go to college for three years. I, I just think, I just think telling somebody what they can and can't do is, is just absolutely ridiculous. And, um, and that, that point I do get from Jay Williams, like telling, telling Zion, he's got to wait a year and go dribble around a court with players. He's better than, and wait a year at a hundred million dollars and then potentially getting hurt is really fucking crazy. Uh, that, that I will agree with him on. Uh, it's just, I think that's ridiculous. Pause. Yeah, I, I agree with the, you know, the high school and the age requirement and things like that. I get it. I kind of understand it in football where, you know, 
some of the you're you're an 18 year old kid and you're going up against these grown ass men in 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 the NFL and you know you're yeah guys that, are that 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 I agree with you on. That's that a I kind of yeah yeah I agree yeah, with you there. So I kind you of understand that in 260 pound middle linebacker laying your ass out it's a little different than right. you know no I no offense not like basketball soft but like listen you could dribble around guys you could make moves you could be talented there and skill wise you're not getting run over by someone that's 280 coming at you you know right exactly right. So, yeah, so from a the football standpoint, I kind of, you know, I think that they definitely need to, their bodies just need to develop further, and that's, you know, partially the reason there. But, um, yeah, with basketball, I, I mean, even with baseball, like if you wanted to, there's plenty of kids that go from, from high school to, well, I guess the difference is with with baseball, you could just choose to go to, uh, to you know, to get signed out of high school and, and go and, and play in the minors and whatever, so um, but then they require you to – it's three years they require you to stay for in baseball? Yeah, so if you go – if you actually deny the draft pick out of uh, high school, you have to stay till you're a junior or after your junior year gotcha. in uh, at college. Okay. But, I mean, that's the yeah. same thing. Like, there, if you get drafted in the 25th round and you feel like you're going to be better off going to college, you go to college. Like, it, it, that, right. that, that's Absolutely. the point. I think I think you, you look yourself and have a gut check and look yourself in the mirror a little bit more and say, okay, maybe I don't belong. I should go to school for three years. Like, you know what I, I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you, you got to be more true yeah. with yourself than just I, – I don't think you just – you just don't submit your name and say, oh, I'll have a better life here. But then I go in the NBA and I go undrafted and now – then my life's exactly right. the same. So Do think, you know what I mean? Like you really got to check yourself yeah. out. Yes. So I think that that's something that the, that baseball actually does really well where you can put your name in the draft and you can get drafted, but then you can still go to college. Like why should, why 100%. if you're a high school player, why should you have to declare before you would even go to college yet? So like, it's not like you're skipping your freshman year of high school. I mean, your freshman year of college to enter the draft, like, the draft happens in June, right after you graduate your senior year of high school. Why can't you enter your name into the draft and then not get drafted and then just say, all right, well, now I'm going to go to college. Like, what, why, where is the harm in, in that happening, you know? So, like, if you get drafted in the first round, if you're in high school and you say, all right, I'm going to put my name in the draft, right, and you're a first-round talent, you're, you have a guaranteed NBA contract for two years. At the very minimum – you're probably going to make four or five million dollars over those two years, right? As a first round draft pick. So even if it happens to not work out for you, like you still do have five million dollars in the bank after those two. I, I look, I know taxes and agent fees and this and that and whatever, but you still do have a nice little, you know, a nice little cushion to kind of start your life with, you know? So it's not the worst thing in the world for a guy to get drafted in the first round and then sort of fizzle out. Um, but at the same time, I think Major League Baseball does it really well, or the NCAA slash Major League Baseball, where they allow you to get drafted and then you decide after you get drafted, all right, I got drafted in the the third round and I'm going to get a you know $2 million signing bonus. Well, all right, I'm just going to go play pro baseball. Or no, I got drafted in the 30th round. I'm not, you know, I'm probably not going to make the May or I'm not – ready to make the majors in the next four or five years. So I'm just going to go to college and, you know, get redrafted in three seasons. I, I don't, that's, that's where I think the NBA can kind of work with the NCAA and say, look, this is what we're going to do. Or like if we lower the age and a guy enters their name in the draft, 
and he doesn't get drafted, he can go to college the following season. Like there's got to be some middle ground here to accommodate the, the guys that are 100% ready to play in the NBA, like Zion Williamson, like RJ Barrett, you know, et cetera. And also accommodate the guys that might want to dream a little bit, but when their dream gets crushed, they're not automatically screwed and now can't go play in the NCAA and better themselves and better their game in order to get drafted, you know, two years from now or three years from now, whatever the kind of time limit is that you, that you decide to set on it. Um, And I think also to your point where saying that the NCAA basketball is watered down or it's not what it used to be. I think a lot of it just really comes down to the mindset of, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there's no way a college football player was going to sit out a bowl game. There was no way a basketball player would, you know, get, have a little injury and think, all right, well now I'm just kind of setting myself up for the future. It's just, it's a different, it's only been 10 years, but it's just a completely different mindset nowadays. And it's people being smarter about their careers and their, you know, their situations. And I think it's, honestly, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a negative thing. I think it's a good thing. Everyone should should be more aware and look out for themselves rather than looking out for the people that aren't looking out for them. You know, like when it comes down to it, 15 years ago, if a guy says, oh, I'm going to play through a, a you know, a, a busted up knee as a running back in, in the NCAA, in college, you know, in college football for to play in a meaningless bowl game, the only, there's nobody looking out for him. They're, they're still telling him to go out there and get on the field and play, whereas – you know, he just has to kind of like people have learned to look out for themselves more than looking out for, uh, you know, organ these organizations that just have their own best interests at heart, not their student athletes or not their, you know, not their players. So I, I think it's just also a, a change of mindset um, for, you know, from that standpoint where it's kind of now college basketball just becomes, you know, these one and done guys and, and what have you who are just there because, they need to be there, not because they want to be there. See, like that, that, yes, I am happy because at the end of the day, no one really gives a fuck about you. So you have to give a fuck about yourself and watch yourself out because at, you know, um, look, the only people that typically have your back is yourself and you'll find one or two, maybe three people in between there that will be on your back too. But when push comes to shove, everyone cares about themselves. So I agree with you there. But from a college basketball standpoint, wouldn't you agree that the game is not as good as it used to be? No, it's not. But it's because of the fact that, you know, we don't have a Zion Williamson playing for three seasons and trying to win three right. championships. Right, that's what I'm saying. I'm a... just saying I think the game yeah. is the, is the, in skill has decreased. Like, I don't remember years where you had – like, let, yes, I understand this is a different year, but let's go back to last year. Like, did anybody have any doubt it was down to, like, Villanova, Michigan, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, it's like every year, really, if you really wanted to, like, I don't know. Invest, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who, like, I'll put in three brackets or uh, I'll do three college football things. And uh, basically it's just to, for a point standpoint. But, like, if you really wanted to be, like, that guy in, like, an office pool who's just, like, obnoxious, like, could you not last year pick, like, who the four or five potential winners are? Could you not this year pick who, like, the two or three potential winners are? Three years? You get what I'm saying? I feel like back in the day, dude, it was, like, I just feel like it was insanity. Like, it was just, like, it was all no holds bar. Like, dude, I remember, like, 
sitting down in my parents' recliner, like, from noon to, and it was, like, upset and buzzer beater and like every game is like within two or five like I, the other day I had a friend text me and he was like dude have you ever seen anything like this year like the average spread this year dude for the top 25 games is like 20 22 and a half like that's a like that's a monster spread that's a monster margin from talent to talent and like i just think that's a big problem like especially for someone like me who really enjoys college sports more than pro like that's kind of like a letdown like if Duke wins it all this year, and it's not about, I don't give a fuck if anybody's like, oh, bro, they didn't play anybody. I don't care. I don't, I really, I don't care. That's not what it's about. But I think you could take more joy out of like who you beat along the way a couple of years ago compared to now. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, if you, if you were an office pool guy, you could, you could, you could put the five, six brackets in and win it all. If, if you're that asshole and not just like doing what you do. And if you, I think you could like, there's seg- there, you know, you get the six segments. I think there's like three segments you could skip nowadays where like, like for someone like me, if I was like, uh, I'll work till five and I'll catch the, uh, six, seven, nine or the, uh, seven, nine segment and 10 segment. And then you might, you might get away with not seeing anything in the first six hours. You know what I mean? Like I would never do that. Yeah. This is my vacation. But like, I feel like that wasn't how it used to be. Like if I like was not locked in at like two ten. Like someone's throwing some up at half court, and that's like a five twelve game or a uh, you know a four thirteen or a three what a three fifteen. Like those games shouldn't be close. You know what? You, I don't know how to explain it. I just think the game of college basketball with the one and done stuff has really just been watered down. The competitive level has now a much wider 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 margin. Like I think you could call yeah. a twenty or fifteen win in the, in the years before, and maybe you know they, they never usually do, but I think you could like you see them and, and you could be like, ah, I think they match up. And if they win a match up here, they do it. Like, I don't think you could get past like the top, top four or five teams nowadays. Yeah. Do you think part of it has to do with, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like the, almost the super team mentality in the NBA. Like all these guys now, everyone knows each other and it's like, Oh, Hey, let's go. Let's all go play at Duke. Let's all go play at Kentucky. Let's all go play at North Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, whereas yeah, I do. Day, I do think the AAU circuit. I agree with you. I do think the AAU circuit has really changed that. Like Okafor and Tyus Jones played together since they were 12 years old, and then Winslow hopped right. on their AAU team in high school and then joins them in. Uh, Zion Barrett or Barrett was on a different one. Zion Trey and someone else were on the same. AAU. So they they see these guys on the AAU circuit. I'm sure they talk about it. Yes, I I do think that plays in. Um, back in the day, there was only one AAU team in like the entire state of New Jersey when I played, and I was like on the only one. Now like. I, I couldn't even believe it. I got called to coach an AAU team like two years ago. And I was like, wait, like what? And there was like, there's like four in the County now. So I do think the AAU yeah. circuit or which it's called different things. Just let's just say travel ball, travel ball for all these schools or for all these schools and teams and players is way bigger. And that just leads to more conversation and more like, uh, this is the, this is, this is somebody I want to play with. You know, this is who I want to be my center or who I want to dish the ball to. I do, but I just, I, I think like, you know, the main thing of the one duns or I just, I think that plays like a huge role. You know what I mean? And uh, like, yeah. think about a stretch yeah. where like six, seven, six, seven, eight years where coach K didn't get anybody, man, like not a soul, like he didn't right. get a rec- no yeah. recruit and they just hung around three, four years. And then all this, like John Shire, Nolan Smith, like those weren't top recruits. Those are Zubac, 
like those three dudes just hung around for four straight years and then they get a senior and they've been playing together for four years and all of a sudden they come up and then beat a Butler team in a, you know, down year for the NCAA. Like they weren't a great team, but they just had, there was a down year in the NCAA and those guys were all together for four years. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't see that right. anymore. That Villanova team, same thing last year. Like most of those guys were, you yeah. know, they hang around four years. They got, they beat everybody out in cohesion in a, in a down year for the NCAA. Like, um, I just think it's watered down the game a little bit. That's all. Yeah, it definitely has. And then the same thing, like all the, you know, with everything being so much more nationally now as well, where, you know, if you were on the West coast and you were a top time recruit, like there was no chance of you coming to, you know, North Carolina or Duke That's or whatever. You go into a program out great West. Point. Like now it's, yep. now it's your, oh, you're a great recruit out of Florida. Like you're probably not going to Florida or Florida state. You're probably going to Duke or UNC. Yep. And if you're a great recruit out of Texas, you're, not going to Texas, you're going to, you know, Kentucky. You're so like I think that's that's part of it. And then let's just call it for what it is. Players nowadays are a lot better than they were twenty years ago. And that's just you know, players are bigger, they're stronger, they're they're they have better training, they have better coaching, they you know, all this stuff. So like I think it's just a combination of, of a number of things. But um yeah, it's it's unfortunate when it used to be fun to kind of follow guys and, you know, throughout their careers in, in college. And, and now it's, you know, especially like you, I, I could, I don't really care at all about the NBA. As I say this, I, I'm actually, I have the Boston uh, Milwaukee game on, but that's besides the point. Um, you know, I really don't care at all about the NBA. Um, so I would love for these guys to stay more in college, but you know, that kind of breaks down the, the, the entire way that college or professional sports, mainly college basketball is, uh, you know, is heading. So, yeah. All right. Uh, wow. We just rocked that for an hour and five minutes feeling it. Yeah. It went um, by really fast. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll get back into the college basketball, do a recap of the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'll go into Antonio Brown, Machado, and end with sports betting, and that should that should run us right around the time. If it doesn't, we'll cut one of the things out. I don't I don't really care all that much. Um, yeah, so let's do a quick break, fill up on the water, wet a whistle, and uh, if you want to call in, we had a great call already. Let's keep the great calls going. Doesn't matter what you want to talk about, opinions, questions, uh, thoughts on your team, any team, anything, uh, whatever. Six five seven three eight three one six. Nine two. Quick break. Uncut sports talk featuring Rhino and friends. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And I'm down for you always. KB, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And I'm down for you always. <laughs> Mama told you don't talk to strangers. But when you're riding in the truck, you can't explain it. What you've been waiting on this whole time. I blow the brains out of your mind. And I ain't talking about physically. I'm talking about mentally. Look at you. 
look like she nasty. Look at she, look at she, look like she classy. Look at she, look at she, look at her dancing. Look at she, look at I took her to the mansion. You sneak out of the crowd, baby, it's a no-brainer. It ain't the hardest shoes. Him and me be for real, baby, it's a no-brainer. You got your mind on loose. Go hard and watch the sun rise. One night it change your whole Sports Talk featuring Ryan and Fred, 657-383-1692. Anything you want to talk about doesn't have to be the topic we're on. A little college basketball recap. Monday night when we were on Virginia VTech, Virginia wins by six. Offense still looks like shit. VTech actually shoots 40% from three and loses, which I've said all year, like they got to shoot over 40% from three to win. They do. They lose. So I apologize for that. Um, game was no closer than eight with nine minutes to play. And then obviously closes at six, uh, on free throws and fouls. But, uh, this game was pretty much over from the nine minute mark. Uh, Virginia had it from eight to 12 the entire way until the free throws and fouling. Um, I don't know. I need to see more of this Virginia offense to like them or love them or, to do anything, I, they're just completely to me on a downfall. The Virginia Tech is one is was like one seventy two on defense. They're they're really high up there, top ten offensively, but not great on defense. So another you hang sixty four on a bad V Tech team. Just don't like I just don't like the way their offense is going at all. Uh, Wisconsin beats a atrocious Illinois team by only six. Uh, as Paz and I have mentioned several times now, this team is. Has got to do more. Has got to. Um, I I don't know what to say. Prove their worth. Like, like yes, yes. You got your win against Illinois. You need, but you beat them by six. Like that's embarrassing. Like you're flirting with the line now. Like you got to turn it up. Got to turn it up. Um, a six point win against Illinois is not 
not impressive. Uh, just like the six point win for Virginia, but at least Virginia was at VTech. I mean, Illinois, you're at home. Like you got to do more Wisconsin. You got to do more. And uh, Paz and I both have mentioned they're kind of a, a play against for us now. Just I was I was really liking what I was seeing. I, I was concerned about the offense, but they just they basically have one player. And uh, yes, they play absolute lockdown day, no doubt about it. But they're kind of like Virginia, and their their offense is nowhere near Virginia's caliber. And I don't like Virginia's offense all that much. And Wisconsin's offense is worse than that, and they're going to get struck the same way. Uh, Hap is going to dominate in the paint, but guard play is going to beat the shit out of them. And there's a lot of guard play in the March Madness tournament. Uh, Kansas State wins by 14 over West Virginia. I think Paz texted me, I want to say, at the 12-minute mark or 9-minute mark, and it was like a semi-close game, and Kansas State just blew their tits off after that. West Virginia is playing with three guys who I sent a screenshot. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. This is my alumni or one of my alumni, but uh, they're playing with three guys who like average like 4.8 minutes a game uh, thus far this season. So what uh, shambles, I don't know what's going to happen with, uh, with Huggy Bear. I don't really care. He used to fuck me over all the times and tips at the bar. That's how I made my money and paid off my tuition and my loans. And this scumbag used to come to the bar all the time and not, and not tip any of us. And uh, so fuck him. If he gets fired, so be it. But neither here nor there. Um, they're kind of in shambles and in a bad way. It's not like they just didn't get good recruits this year, so they're, like, in trouble. Like, they got two suspensions, two guys that didn't meet uh, 1.7 academic GPA, and uh, I forget what the other one is, an injury maybe. So uh, one of them is not your fault, and four of them are directly your fault. So might be trouble for him. Uh, pause on the Monday Nighters. Yeah, I, I actually uh, – I'll take Virginia, Virginia Tech first. I thought Virginia played pretty well on offense. It's just – you know what their problem really is? It's that they're – I'm sure that they're I – should, I should have had this queued up, but I'm sure if you look up, like, uh, possessions, uh, you know, total possessions in a game in the NCAA, I would assume that Virginia and also Wisconsin are probably at the very bottom of the NCAA in terms of possessions per game because they – I feel like every single time they basically run the shot clock down to at least 10 in every single possession. And a lot of the times it's, you know, they're getting a shot off with five seconds left on the shot clock. So that's the part of Virginia's offense. Virginia is dead last. Are they dead last? Yeah, that's not Dead last in the NCAA. They only get get 59 and a half. Wisconsin is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 13th and 13th worst. They get 63.5. Yeah. Yeah, so 341 crazy. and 353. So, yeah, that's that's really scary. Um, but you have to you so have to that, convert. That's the problem. That's what bothers me is right. that they don't like what did they shoot in that what uh, in that Virginia Tech game? Like they you got shot, if you're going to have uh, only 59 shot shots a game all right, so I mean that's not a bad number. Like you, got, if you're only gonna shoot uh, 59 shots a game, you got to convert at 50, percent or you're not gonna win. Right, right. So that's yeah. the yeah. I guess I gotta. I have to watch this team a couple more times, I guess, because I was kind of in the mindset where I was just gonna kind of pencil them into the Final Four, but I don't know. Like, did they play North Carolina yet this year? Yeah, North Carolina beat them, right? No, they beat North Carolina. They beat North Carolina, like 60, North Carolina. 69, yeah. 61 or 69, something like that. 61. It was last week. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I got to see them play again, uh, a couple more times. I, I don't know. They they're like they're, they're great. They're, they're going to be, you they're, know what they're going to be, dude? When when you come when you come down to the uh Jersey Shore on Thursday or Friday whenever you come, they're going to be a great team to be on the opposite spread because they never cover big spreads and they're going to be like minus yeah. 34 and they'll be you could just you could just bank at home and you'll before you even arrive at my house, you'll already be up 200 bucks. That's what they're yeah. going to be good for this this <laughs> tournament. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta watch them a few more times, but like you said, the troubling statistic is that they are last in the NCAA in possessions per game, which means that they have to be very efficient, which they are according to Ken Palm, they're three, I think. Yeah. So, oh no, they're four and adjusted offense. So just meaning that their efficiency on offense is so great that they're kind of outweighing their, you know, their possessions that they, that they have per game. Um, so yeah, if they go cold, they're absolutely in trouble. Um, yeah, I gotta, I have to see them a couple more times, but I think my, I think my thinking might be changing on them in terms of, you know, kind of just penciling them in uh, to the final four. Um, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta see them a few more times. Virginia tech, again, like we said, they're, they're a just shoot the three and win or, or, uh, miss the three and lose. And that's kind of what they, what they were here. Rhino, I think you were mistaken. They actually went three of 28 from three, um, and 40% total in field goals. So they were 11% from three. Yeah, so I looked at the wrong number. Yeah, so you're right. Yep, 11% they lose. That's so good. I'm glad my stat didn't get broken yet. So that makes me actually feel better. I'm glad you found that. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, to to have Virginia – if you hold Virginia Tech to 11% from three, you probably should beat them by 20, you know, no matter who you are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's it's troubling. It's definitely troubling. I got to – I think my tune is kind of changing on this Virginia team. Um, but yeah, that'll, I'll, I'll finalize it before the, uh, before the tournament starts. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about them on here at least a few more times. Then on to the Wisconsin game. Uh, I saw a little bit of this game. Ethan Happ was awful in, uh, in this game. I, he just looked like he looked lost. He was in foul trouble. He was turning the ball over. He was shooting like I think he shot like twenty percent from the free throw line. Um, what was he from the line? He was oh he was zero for three from from the line. So what game was I thinking of that he was like two for eleven? I don't know. That might have been a different game. But anyway, um, you know couldn't hit his free throws. Got into foul trouble. Um, oh no, he wasn't in foul trouble. I'm probably confusing two different games. But anyway, um, he looked awful. He had three turnovers. So they're not going to look very good if Ethan Happ doesn't play well. And he didn't play well here. Yes, they probably should have beaten Illinois by a little bit more. But um, as we've spoken about, uh, they're going to be in a lot of trouble in the tournament because they're going to get broken down by good guard play. And surprisingly, Illinois' guards actually played pretty well in this game. Uh, they're they're a pretty guard-heavy team, so – it was just sort of one of those good matchups for that Illinois is going to draw where their, their guards are going to be able to, um, you know, kind of thrive against the, the Wisconsin offense. So Wisconsin's definitely in a lot of, in a lot of trouble. They're going to have to 
they're going to have to draw the right teams in order to make a deep run in the tournament. Um, so I'm very much expecting them not to make a, a deep run. And then as far as the Kansas State-West Virginia game goes, I believe I texted you when this game was 42-42, and it was I think there was about 14 minutes left, something like that. And I, my exact words to you were, uh, Kansas State cannot lose this game. The moment I texted you that, I think they went on a 16-0 run. Um, and kind of really put the game away, but it was just f- funny and coincidental that the moment I texted that uh, to, over to you that is when the uh, is when the run really started. So they, you know, they they played their lockdown defense. They they did what they were supposed to do to a a undermanned an undermanned uh, West Virginia team. And I still have I still have high prospects for this team uh, moving forward. Ugh. I know, but we have that bet so. Brood them on, I guess. All right. To Tuesday, Kentucky, Mizzou. Uh, of course, I take Kentucky minus 10. I told you I never, ever fucking get on this team. And when I do, they they blow. They have a 12-point lead or more all the way up to the one-minute mark and win by eight. What a shock. Uh, they, I mean, look, Mizzou stinks. Uh, they go on the road after a huge win. They have this team buried by 12 or more, like I said, till a minute left, and then uh, a three gets it to nine. Uh, another three with 14 seconds left gets it to six after two missed free throws. I mean, basically, this is a 12-point win, and it goes down as uh, eight. Uh, Tennessee should bury a Vanderbilt team by 40, as we keep talking about Tennessee, teams they should absolutely dominate and murder and destroy. They don't. Uh, they beat this Vanderbilt team by 10 at home, who's 9-17 and 17 on the year and has not won an SEC game. The SEC is absolutely terrible to not win a game in the SEC and to only beat this team by... <laughs> Excuse me. It only beat this team by 12 is embarrassing. And I, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the week, I'm just continuing every single week to completely be off further and further from this Tennessee team. Uh, Purdue goes to Indiana. Tough environment. While Indiana's having a tough year, it's a tough environment. Uh, they win by two with a tip in. Uh, what does that say? 16, four, four seconds left. With four seconds left. Um, I don't know. It's uh, look. It's all. It's, the Big Ten is good this year. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, this is a, it's a big win, a nice win for Purdue. Indiana was playing awesome and great. Really, really looked good in the beginning of this season, especially against like Duke. And they had, uh, they played the consolation that tournament. I forget who it was another great team. And um, unfortunately. You know, they looks like they've just fallen off. I haven't seen them play much here, but uh, Purdue, sneaky, sneaky numbers, man. And uh, they get another win here, and, you know, 19-7, and seven, a couple losses, ranked losses this week. They'll move a little bit forward or the next couple weeks. And um, I almost hope they actually don't get a lot of steam, and maybe they drop one or two because I would like to really use them going forward, but neither here nor there. Uh, Florida State. Beats Clemson by 13, no surprise. Uh, actually, I actually like the Clemson team a little bit. You should probably defend your home court better. Um, they've been in some really close games this year that could have gone either way that would also be having their name in the tournament. Uh, but it looks like they're going to have to have some work to do. But that's a big, that's a good win for Florida State on the road against a team who I think is, is a pretty good team in Clemson. Uh, beat them by 13. 
Baylor, as like, do I not know this uh, uh, Iowa State team more than anybody in the entire United States of America? I keep saying to everybody, every single time this team gets a goddamn staple win, they piss it away the next time they play. This, as literally, this team in a nutshell is win one, piss one, win one, piss one. Lose to Baylor at home by four. The last six minutes of this game were the this is the worst basketball I've watched all season, and it's not close. Um, Baylor stinks, and the last six minutes of the game stunk. And to lose by four at home after getting a nice staple winning at Kansas State, no surprise. That's how Iowa State rolls. Maryland beats Iowa on the road by one. Big win. This is a big win. Like I said, Big Ten is very good. Iowa is supposed to be a better team at home, not that great on the road. And Maryland goes in, slaps them up a bit. Young team. Uh, I do agree with Paz, even though I'm very focused on this year. Duke won't be as good next year, no doubt about that. Uh, this team is going to be good going forward, and you just got to know what their kind of nerves are going to be like and how they're going to be feeling going into a March Madness tournament and a conference tournament. Big win for Maryland. Uh, Buffalo beats Ohio by, I don't feel like doing the math. Is that 50? Is that 50? Mm. 47. 47, yeah. So, I mean, shit. Uh, who cares? Uh, Ohio sucks. Buffalo, they're completely overrated. They're going to get their ass stomped in March Madness. Uh, pause on the Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, so Vanderbilt, Tennessee, uh, yes, they only put up 58 points against this Vanderbilt team. Uh, I think they're a little overrated. I think that they, you know, depending on draw, whatever, they might, they'll probably get to the second weekend because they're going to be a two seed. Um, but they're certainly going to be a, a popular play against for me um, in terms of not only spread-wise early on, but also uh, tournament-wise, you know, definitely in the Sweet 16 for sure they'll be a play against, but uh, maybe even earlier depending on who the, the seven or eight seed that – well, they're not going to be a one seed, so uh, the seven or if they end up being a three seed, the, the six seed that they draw in that second round game, we'll see who they are. Um, the next one you touched on, Kentucky-Missouri. Um, yeah, I mean, Kentucky had this game buried one and everything, and it was just kind of the only thing that was in the balance was the spread. And unfortunately for, you know, for you, um, that, that didn't work out too well. But, yeah, this was a, a, you know, Kentucky dominated this game. It's just one of those things that, that happened at the end where, it, uh, you know, the, the spread got altered because of the, uh, the late game uh, shenanigans that went on. Uh, Purdue, Indiana, uh, Purdue, very good win. As you mentioned, Edwards, I think was four of 24 from the field. So if you can win any game where your star player goes four of 24 from the field, you have to, um, you know, you have to kind of chalk that up as a, as a decent win. Um, because, you know, obviously Edwards is their, is their main cog on offense. Uh, I believe he's a, you know, top 20 in the, in the last, the last, uh, Smith watch or whatever it is so yeah he's a he's a very good player and this team moving forward like we both said is is going to be one of those tough outs in March and we'll kind of see where they end up and where they land um and uh yeah and we'll go from there Maryland Iowa again like we've been saying Maryland's a very very good team they're very young so that kind of scares me uh come March time but uh you know just kind of these young guys that that you know, obviously aren't heralded and, and, and highly, 
sought after recruits or as highly sought after recruits um, going into, you know, the big time, but they're showing that they can go into tough places and win. I was not a, a, an easy place to play at all. Um, and they got a, they got a nice win, played tough and, and got a nice win. Um, all right. Uh, Florida state Clemson. This game wasn't even close for the, the closest this game was, was that tip off. Um, I think Clemson got it at one point to like a, a nine or 10 point game in the second half, but that's as close as it was. Florida State is going to be a very, very tough out for whoever they play in the tournament. Um, Whatever his name is, Kabengale, he's really, really good. Um, And he's going to be a matchup nightmare for whoever they play against. So I'm kind of looking at them to to make a little bit of a run in the tournament. Um, Obviously, we'll see some more from them in the next couple weeks. And the ACC tournament, kind of see the matchup against the – a couple of the, the bigger teams in the ACC. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Florida State. I like them. And, uh, yeah, I think they can they can make a nice run. Baylor, Iowa State. I mean, this Iowa State team, we've said it once, we've said it a million times. They can beat anybody in the country, but they could also lose to anybody in the country. And here you go. They lost to anybody in the country. This Baylor team is really not very good. They'll probably, eh, they'll probably make the tournament. But, you know, they're nothing to write home about. Iowa State absolutely has to bury this team, especially at home, especially coming off their the big win that they got against uh, against Kansas State to kind of put them back on the right track. Uh, this is just a, a really bad loss. Um, I don't know which loss is worse, the one this one or or the one we're probably going to talk about next, or not next, but when we go over uh, yesterday's yesterday's games. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to do with Iowa State. They're a total enigma. You really don't know what you're going to get on any given night. And, uh, you know, this is this is what happens with a team like that. They're probably – they're either – I feel like they're either going to make a really deep run or they're going to lose in the first weekend. Like, there's no there's no in-between in for them. It's either like we're going to the Final Four or we're losing in the round of 32. You know, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's kind of the way I feel. No, man, you're 100% right. I said that. They're going to be the hardest prediction in the entire NCAA, go, or in the entire March Madness tournament. No doubt about it. Hands down, yeah. it's easy. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like you said, Buffalo destroying Iowa. Iowa is not a very good team. If you have, if you have, you know, deep run aspirations, you have to beat a team like this by 40. And uh, they, that's exactly what they did. So. Yeah, first time in a long time. All right. Uh, Carolina Duke, I have really nothing to say about this. Look, if Zion plays, they blow out Carolina by probably 40. Um, he doesn't play, and they did North Carolina just basically goes to Florida State offense and does the same thing Florida State did. That's really about it. Uh, I actually, San Diego State, Nevada, I actually watched this whole game. Haven't been sleeping well in a while. Um, I don't know. They both look like shit, honestly. I, I like I can't I can't sit here and tell you like San Diego State played this great game and beat Nevada. Like they both look fucking terrible. Um look, uh Nevada goes by how Caleb Martin goes. He had twenty and seven. Let me see what he actually shot here. Yeah. So he went three for ten from three, so um, they rolled by how Caleb Martin went, and that's how they got eliminated in March Madness this, last year, and that's how they went on the sneaky run last year. Same exact thing. Um so if you know, like I said, if he shoots three well, then they move on. If he doesn't, they get beat, and that's literally their makeup. And that was their makeup through the whole tournament last year. He went cold in that game, all of a sudden went hot when they were down like 
16 and hit a bunch and like got them close but couldn't close it out because you know you can't rely on one dude plain and simple uh michigan state beats Rutgers by only 11 down two starters you know be interested to see what michigan state can do going forward and when vic come or not vic um uh, what's his name, Paz? Nick Ward. Ward. Nick Ward. When Ward comes back. Marquette. Uh, Butler stinks. Marquette beats him by 10. I thought this was, uh, I forget what the spread was when I first text Paz, but it was super low, and then I thought it was like insanity. Marquette is just a way better team than Butler. Uh, 10's good enough for me. Butler always just hangs around. They're tough. They're tough to like just knock out and knock over. Howard is just uh, becoming one of the most more ridiculous and decorative more ridiculous every time you see this box score, he is going to be uh, one of the prime players. Like if you had to put like a top five guys to watch in the tournament, he's going to be up there. He'll be, he's going to be a very, very good time and a, and a must see. Uh, Florida beats LSU by five. Uh, Florida or LSU play, loves playing these close games. Now this is their 20th game of 26. That has been determined by nine points or less. They lose this one by five against a Florida offense who is ranked bottom 300 in offense and has the worst offensive set I've seen in college basketball this year. There's no off- a team in an offensive set that has to run a play that I've seen that's worse than Florida this entire season. And I've watched some um, low ball. I've watched Ivy League. This team cannot run out of set. How they put up 82 on LSU is beyond me. I said I had to see more of this team. I wish I watched more of this game. Um how you lose to Florida, who can't run a set offense by five at home, is fucking embarrassing. I said on Monday, how you're in 20 games by less than nine points is, it makes no sense to me. Um, I'm I'm not gonna be anywhere near this team. I just you if you like to play in close games, enjoy. I, I'm not gonna hang out with you. Um, Nova has no guard play at all, loses to Georgetown, gets their ass beat in by 13, another guard play team. Uh, Georgetown smokes their ass. Villanova cannot wait to just fucking bury them, and the the, the uh, seeding committee will give them a higher seed because of last year. Uh, it's going to be so fucking sweet to see those points just come on for the seed that when they get upset, I can't wait, can't wait, cannot wait. Louisville who both Paz and I said, stick a fork in, gets beat by 20 against a really bad Syracuse, who will probably, again, get the playing game and win and go on a run again, because that's what Syracuse does. Pause on the Wednesdays. Yeah, um, I'll just, I'm just going to take these really quickly. We spoke at length about Duke, Duke Carolina. I'm not going to really touch on it at all. It's It's completely different when you – have a player hurt in game versus, you know, prior to the game, at least prior to the game, you can game plan, you can, can scheme differently. But to say that Zion, I mean, look, obviously Zion's a huge part of any game plan that they have, but to say that, especially against um, North Carolina, where he's probably going to be covering Luke May most of the time, where Luke May goes off for 30 points. I mean, he's not scoring 30 points against Zion Williamson. So, you know, to, to say that, this game would have gone a little differently would be a, an understatement. So look, hopefully he's back for the next one where they play so you can get a more accurate reading, but uh, you know, uh, there's really not much else to talk about there. Uh, Michigan state, this was their first game without Nick Ward. And I thought that it was just like a, it was just a workman like performance. And I think that's what they're going to be. Hopefully they can get Ward back 
for the, the you know the NCAA tournament and you know really show what they are. But they're probably going to be in a little bit of trouble if uh, you know if they don't have him going forward. Um, so yeah, look, they get the win. I think the spread was like uh, spread was 15, so they didn't cover. But uh, you know, just a workmanlike performance against a Rutgers team who's not very good. But you know, you're missing your second best player, so um, you know, got to compensate there. Uh, Florida LSU, that was the other game that I was saying in terms of really bad losses. This is an awful loss for LSU. There's no way you can lose to this Florida team at home. I understand that it's their first game off of that, uh, you know, that win at Kentucky, but, uh, oh no, it's actually not their first win. They beat Georgia by four on Saturday or Sunday. Um, no, Saturday. So, yeah, actually, it's not their, their first game back. So, yeah, there's there's no excuse for this. I'm not going to be anywhere near this LST, LSU team either. Um, I don't think they're very good. The guy Nas Reed is, is awesome, but they just have no guard play whatsoever. They can't hit an outside shot. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I'll be happy to play against this team, against the spread, and, uh, you know, against the, the, the bracket pool as well. Uh, Villanova Georgetown. Yeah, look, there's not much more for me to say about Villanova. We both don't think they're very good this year either. Um, and they, they get blown out at Georgetown. Uh, they're on a little bit of a skid now, I want to say. Um, yeah, they've lost three of their last four. So maybe coming back to earth a little bit and, you know, kind of really realizing their you know you know what they are this year because now they're finally starting to to play the better teams in the big east and they're they're not faring very well against them um they have one more big game left home to marquette uh probably next probably this saturday coming up no sorry next saturday this uh, no this saturday is the 23rd so probably wednesday so probably wednesday night they have uh marquette so that'll be a you know a game to kind of keep on keep on the TV and and uh, what have you. Marquette Butler, yeah, Howard's beast. Uh, it was a very nice win for them. I think when you texted me, Rhino, the spread was only five and a half, and then ended up ballooning up to seven or seven and a half. Um, so yeah, they they did what they had to, beat a, a scrappy Butler team, and uh, yeah, we'll move from move on from there. Nevada, San Diego State. I'm not a big fan of this Nevada team either. Um, well, actually, I don't know if you said you're not a fan of them, but I'm not a fan of them. I don't think they're going to go very far. They're going to be way overseeded, especially with the fact that they're, you know, number six in the polls right now and they really should probably be like, you know, in that 15 to 20 range. Um, but with the, I think when the committee put out their thing, I think they were like in the, in the four seed range. So that's kind of where I see them, a four or five seed. And, uh, look, I don't think they're going to go very far, but who knows? Uh, is that it? Oh, Syracuse, Louisville. Yeah, that's just another really bad loss. This Louisville team is done. Uh, they, I was saying to you last night, they have UVA twice left, and then they have the ACC tournament, which they're obviously not going to win. They're going to have 12 losses. They're going to be 20 and 12 probably come. Who do they have, who do they have uh, in you know, between there? BC and Notre Dame. Oh God. Okay, good. So they're gonna be they're gonna be twenty and twelve or twenty one and twelve when uh you know, when the the, the regular season's over. 
I don't – I mean, I guess they're going to get in because the bubble is just so bad this year. But, I mean, their best wins this year are – I don't even know. Oh, so they beat Michigan State early in the season. Yeah, they actually have a good schedule. Like, uh, they lost yeah, to they Kentucky, been... but, but like, not by much, right? Yeah, so they lost Ac- – Yeah, so they lost to Kentucky by 13 – they lost to Tennessee by 11. They lost to Marquette. Um, they lost to Indiana. I don't know. Nah. Like, where are their – I thought their like schedule was actually better. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Where are their staple wins this year? Okay, they they blew out UNC, but then they got blown out by UNC. So, like – Yeah, they just, they just they exchanged home and home. Yeah. Like, they're, really where's their signature? Where is that – so, let's see here. One, two, three, four – so one, two, three, four. If they drop their next, uh, no, they still can't. Well, nah, yeah, they still can't. It'll be interesting to see what they end up doing because they're gonna be. They'll have an auto buy to Wednesday. Wait, they're gonna be. And, they're gonna get a buy in the ACC tournament. Yeah, they'll have the they'll have the auto buy to Wednesday. So Tuesday will well, be, just be the second day, right? Notre Dame, Miami, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh. Okay. Then, then the likes of Louisville, NC State, Clemson, Boston College will get those four. Right. Okay. So, I mean, I'm trying to see here, like <laughs> those four teams are fucking terrible. Holy shit! They actually Wait, might. Like, be... get, they might. I'm trying to think about how if how they can get to Friday. Like who they would see, because they would they're still Wait, so like mid pack. So Rhino, with the ACC tournament having a an odd number of teams, how do they? Does one team not make the tournament, or does like how do they do that? How do they work that? No, they do like a almost like a play in, and then multiple like they do multiple bodies. Oh, okay, I got you. It's like gotcha. five, so like, like wait five. And play each other or something, and then... right? Yeah. So like yeah. So like Tuesday will be like. Notre Dame, Pitt, Miami, Wake, like type of thing. Okay. And then NC State, Clemson, Boston College, and Georgia Tech will be or uh yeah 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 uh, or no no yeah 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 that's right that's right we'll be waiting for those those two winners will have like Boston College and Georgia Tech will have the two winners that come out of there, and then Virginia Tech, Louisville, NC State, and Clemson will be waiting for them. And then Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, Florida State would get the buys, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then Syracuse, yeah. Virginia Tech yeah, but would then be still, in that other column. Yeah. There's still I, Syracuse, I, I, though. There's still an extra, there's still yeah, an extra I'll show, team. Yeah, I'll pull it up. It's like they do this, like, weird thing. There might even be, like, a I third feel, playing game. I forget. We went that day. Yeah, I feel like there has to be, like, the – I feel like there has to be that first day. There has to be like the worst two teams play each other to see who and like actually gets into the. It's usually two games because remember we went to the opener and we were like. Yeah, that's why I was gonna. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. But like I was thinking, maybe was one of these teams not in the ACC when we were there? No, like every, no, every no, one no. of these teams was there two or three years ago. All right, so like, yeah, so oh, so it is three games. Shit, I don't know why we only stayed for one. So they play three, the three bottom or the one, two, the six bottom seeds. Play day one. Then you have the the winner. Those four winners are waiting for the non top four seeds. 
Oh, okay. I see now. Okay. And then yeah. the two lowest seeds, like, so last year was Florida State 8 9 play each other. So right. Boston College played the five, Notre Dame played the seven, Syracuse played the six. Then the eight, nine right. played okay. each other. And then you have Virginia, Clemson, Duke, and Miami waiting for them. So the yeah, first day will be six games, the bottom six. One, two, I thought it was only two games, so that makes sense. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then you would have Clemson and NC State and Louisville be waiting for them. Right. Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, Florida State, by Syracuse, Virginia Tech play each other. No, no, the opposite. That's, it would be NC State playing. NC State playing Clemson, and then Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Louisville waiting for the Oh, that's right, that's right, because they automatically get the day by. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so but so, yeah. so they get a they get a decent draw to that. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I was just trying to see, like, where they would end up. Like, it could that they actually could possibly, if they dropped to Notre Dame, or who was the other one, G-Tech? B, uh, BC. BC? I mean, they could... They could lose to BC. BC's okay. Uh, Notre Dame, I don't know. Uh, are they home or away for those? Um, I think they're home for Notre Dame, but away to BC. Oh, God, I wish it was the other way around. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, we'll see. Are... I, I don't know. They could actually yeah, play themselves at the tournament if they get – if they they drew, they drew drop two to Virginia, and then they draw that first one. Virginia Tech maybe, and Virginia Tech outshoots them, something like that. I mean, they could play themselves out, but it'll be interesting because that yeah, like would play a, Virginia Tech yeah. in almost. But we'll have to see. There's well, still four that, left, so. I think Virginia Tech's probably in. I think their their resume is better than, you know, tournament resume is better than uh, than Louisville's resume. I don't think we should – we probably shouldn't get into this right now because we can do a whole yeah, show yeah. just on, on resumes yeah. or whatever, but um, just a – a quick look, like Virginia Tech has beaten uh, – actually, Virginia Tech's schedule is pretty bad, too. Yeah, they, they, they beat they're Washington. Not good, man. Who cares? They beat Washington. They, they beat Purdue. That's a nice win. How much? Uh, by six, at Purdue. So their, their win, nice win at Purdue is better than any win that – Yeah. I mean, I guess you could That's argue the, the UNC win for Louisville, but you know, in terms of like power wins, like the 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 Purdue win is probably better than anything uh, at Purdue is probably better than anything Louisville has on their their resume. Yeah. But anyway, all right, yeah, we can we can have this conversation in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. Yeah, I think uh, did I touch on everything? Yeah, I touched on everything. So. Okay. Um. All right, let's just just on timing. I, I'm gonna do my uh, same thing. I don't like either of those two games tomorrow, so I'll probably do my sports bets on the show tomorrow or Saturday. Do you have sports bets you want to get out? Uh, no. I want. I like Saturday, unfortunately. Okay. Or I'm looking right, forward so, to the games on Saturday. So yeah, uh, if you yeah, want to so do could, tomorrow, what time? What time? Do I you either do tomorrow? T- either one. I could do Saturday or tomorrow. Um. I might be at the. I might be at the. We can talk about this offline, but I might be at the Sixers game on Saturday afternoon, so I might not be able to do. uh, Saturday Saturday morning, I could probably do some. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, I could probably do Saturday morning. Whatever. We'll figure it out offline. Either one. Okay. All right. Yeah. So 
we could kind of halt the sports betting segment, so we'll finish with the two other topics. Uh, I'll start with Machado just because I really just like I feel like if I can I talk about the NFL drama, like I'm promoting it, and I just that's like the least thing I ever want to do in my life. So uh, Machado San Diego, look, um, I called I called this months and months and months ago. I said that. I thought Machado was definitely going to the Yankees when he left the stadium without an offer or whatever, who knows what transpired. But uh, the day he leaves the stadium and doesn't sign with the Yankees, I didn't think he was coming to the Yankees. I had said to pause that we got in conversation about it. I was like at, you know, 90% and I think it dropped down to 40 or something I said. Um, And just from, and like, I don't want to talk on the guy personally. Like I know a lot of personal stuff and I know a, a decent amount. I would say probably of all sports, I know personally a, uh, the most of baseball players and I've never met Manny Machado. I've never had a conversation with him. Like I've had with some other players. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I know him as a person from my field and an outside observer. Manny Machado to me seems like a guy who doesn't care about winning. He's not going to hustle when it matters most, I think everybody saw that in a World Series games that, in my opinion, he changes dynamics of. I know you could sit here and argue with me to the you're blue in the face that it doesn't come down to one play. That's fine. You could I could I will argue back at to you as a counter statement that a 2-2 game in the World Series instead of being down by one run in the World Series makes a huge, huge fucking difference. And if you can't see that, I don't know. I'm not sure you know baseball. I played it for played it. I've coached it for a long time at high levels. Being in a tie game in extra innings and being down one heading into the ninth inning are a completely different dynamic. So if this guy doesn't hustle in the World Series, he um leaves Yankee Stadium with at an offer has huge money from the Phillies. Um, to me, I said to pause offline and I said this on our, it was actually seven, one, two, two and five, seven episodes ago. I said on the uncut sports talk that I thought he was going to go to whoever the highest bidder was money wise, because all this guy cares about his money. He doesn't care about winning. He doesn't care about hustling. He doesn't care about numbers or world titles. Uh, whoever gives him the most money, he would go to. And at the time, it was the Phillies got offered the most money at 280. Padres offer him 300 million. He picks the Padres. No surprise to me at all. I wasn't surprised for a second, uh, especially when Paz texted me the numbers, uh, knowing that he got 20 more million dollars from uh, San Diego than he got from an offer from Philly. Not surprised at all. This guy is basically to me Robinson Cano leaving the Yankees to go to Seattle for the most money that he can make. And nobody knows about Robinson Cano. I actually forgot Robinson Cano even played baseball until he got busted for the juice this year. And he probably got busted for the juice because his self-esteem was so low that he actually became non-existent. And all he previously cared about was being a Hall of Famer, that he wanted to get on juice and pump his numbers up through the roof and so he could become relevant again. This is going to be the exact same thing as Manny Machado. You will forget that this guy is even in baseball by August. I'm telling you right now. San Diego's not going anywhere within the next two, three years. Who is their ace? Are you going to call? tell me Joey Lucci's? No, thank you. Who is their other guys that are surrounding him in the lineup? Nobody. 
Manny Machado is going to be non-existent. You're going to forget he's even in baseball by August. And to me, this is embarrassing. Um, I'm sorry. I would, I will always want to be a winner over money. Um, and if you don't believe me on that, Aspas, I will take being a winner and being successful and not failing over millions of dollars every single day of the week. And to me, it's just a cop out. And I am so glad the Yankees didn't grab him because he don't want to win. And uh, the one thing I could say for the Yanks, while Cashman didn't improve the team, I think everybody in that dugout wants to win. Uh, Sanchez carries his head low when he isn't playing well. And yes, he doesn't hustle also. Andujar and Torres take it to heart. Gardner's always talking about how he needs to be better, could be better. Judge is constantly on the team side. Hicks is working out every single day. Sabathia only cares about a team. You go on and on and on. That dugout wants to win. And whether they were built with the most talent or not, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think they improve their playoff team. Are they a good regular season team? Yes. Are they better in the playoffs? No. I don't want this guy in the clubhouse bringing down the cancer, going out till two or three in the morning, sipping this, sipping that, and now you got guys coming hungover and shit. Not for me. I'm so glad that these guys are sticks and sticks away, and I'm so glad that this guy will be irrelevant come August. And if he wants to say one word or his agent one more time about freaking collusion, he could shove it up his fucking ass because he got the money he wanted. So shut your mouth and go go be non-existent. Pause. Yeah, another uh, another tough act to follow here. Um, so as a as a Yankee fan, and I, I said this to you, I like I, I guess I just fully I so much expected him just to sign with the Yankees that even though I did not want him and I wanted, you know, I wanted the Yankees to stick with Andujar, I wanted them to stick with DD and things like that. I was still a little bit disappointed, I think, when I saw that he wasn't, that he didn't sign with the Yankees. And I think that's just from the standpoint of, I don't like seeing the Yankees get outbid for players. Um, And I just, I I don't know. I I think that's more what it just comes down to. Like, I I don't want the Yankees now to become this franchise that is like all about, uh, you know, saving money and this and that and, and, you know, sort of, um, you know, not sign free agents that could help them when all because they want to save $20 million or $30 million over the course of, you know, six, seven seasons. So I think from that standpoint, I was just a little bit, I guess it was more surprised. Uh, but yes, I'm very happy that ultimately that the Yanks didn't, didn't sign them. As you well know, uh, Didi and Andujar, my two favorite Yankees. Um, so one of them was probably going to be out of a job on the Yankees. Um, you know, if Machado was on the team. So I'm happy for the fact that, uh, you know, that they're both going to be here for the, hopefully for the, the future and, uh, you know, hopefully bring a, a title back to, back to the Yankees. Um, and I'm actually, I'm really surprised that he, he chose the West coast. Um, I know that one of the reasons why he said he didn't want to go back to the Dodgers is because he hated the West coast. And I mean, to take an extra few million dollars, when you say that you hate the West coast, I mean, really just kind of shows what kind of person you are. And, uh, you know, it really was just all about the dollar amount. Cause in the, in the grand scheme of things, what's the, what's the difference between 270 or $300 million? I mean, it's not like you can blow $270 million. I mean, look, you can, but <laughs> if you're going to blow that type of money, 
if you're going to blow that type of money, does it matter if you have 300 of it or 270 of it? Like, you're going to blow it anyway, right? So it really is just it, – it just goes to show you that it's literally about every penny that he could possibly make is what he wanted. And, look, that's fine because that's what, that's what some people care about and that's what, you know, their MO is, and that's fine. That's, that's what his was, and good for him. He got his 10 years and, and $300 million bucks. He doesn't have to – he doesn't have to worry now for the rest of his life uh, or, you know, his kids' lives or his kids' kids' lives and whatever. Um, they're his family set up for, for the next hundred years. So good for him. I, I look, I applaud him for that, but uh, you know, he, it certainly showed his true colors. At the end of the day, when everyone's standing around your grave, someone told me this today, no one talks about how big your bank account is. People talk about, if you were a good person, if you treated people well, if you were nice, if you meant well to society. Man Machado, he wants to be talked about about how big his bankroll is, nothing else. That's my thoughts on him. Um, it looks like we're going to get to avoid talking about the NFL again, which is just the greatest thing to the radio station possible because fuck the NFL. Uh, I did want to get make sure I got this on there because it's just like – it's just a feel bad story. And then we kind of close out after pauses thoughts. Um, Jim Beheim last night coming home from the game. If this story is true, where there's a, there's a four car crash in the middle of the highway, <clears throat> he swerves to go around the four car crash and hits a pedestrian, which is, was part or the driver of one of the four cars. Um, out of his car, walking down the highway, he swerves and then hits this guy that got out of his car and kills him. Like, listen, Jim Beheim is a pretty well-known good guy. He's one of Coach K's best friends. He's an Olympic guy. Everyone speaks volumes of him. Like, I just feel terrible for all parties, man. Like, it's it's what it's saying is he had no drugs, no alcohol in the system. He was literally returning from the game. It was bad weather. It was pretty bad here for a couple hours, and um, could, I could only assume it was worse in upstate New York. And you, as a, I can't, I can't even imagine you. You swerve to get avoid a four car accident to make yourself five cars and hit one of the people that gets out of their cars. Like, it's just an image that just you never get rid of. And I just feel bad. I'd be able to have it for him. He's trying to not make the situation worse. Um, this guy, this poor pedestrian, I, I don't have his name is probably exiting his car. So he avoided that situation that ends up happening to him or, you know, he's going to seek help for the crash that's at hand. And it's just like, I just feel terrible for all parties. And I just thought it was something we should mention quickly. Uh, pause. Yeah, it's it's just an awful situation. Um, something that you never want to see see happen to anybody. Um, I'm glad that it's come out that there was no alcohol involved or anything like that, because then that would obviously turn into a much worse situation. Um, yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate. And you know, look, I hope they when all the investigating is done and, and all that it really just comes out that it was an accident and you know there was really nothing you could do to to avoid it and and look it's it's tough it's we live in a tough world where you know things like that shitty things happen and this is just one of those examples where you know a guy gets into an accident unfortunate on a on a bad weather night and look he probably felt horrible uh, uh he probably felt horrible about the fact that he just got into an accident. Like he thought his night was shitty because, um, 
you know, because he just got into an accident, and then lo and behold, it, it gets that much worse that he ultimately loses his life for, um, you know, for by someone who's trying to avoid the accident and and what have you. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just an unfortunate situation, and I'm kind of happy that that game day decided to not go to go there uh, on Saturday just because you don't want to have any of those like weird signs in the background and anything, you know, kind of bringing the program down. Not that I would think that they would, because, uh, you know, I feel like Jim Bayham's pretty well respected in, in the industry and with the students and with the teams everywhere. Never know. Um, I don't think that would happen, but yeah, but exactly. You never know. Someone just can make, yeah, exactly. Just to get on TV and for their, you know, 15 seconds of fame and whatever. So uh, yeah, unfortunate situation. All right. That's going to like, might be the quickest show we've had in 32 episodes is going to quickly wrap up our Thursday night show somehow, but our February 21st, 2019 Thursday night show has come to an end. I thank Nas for the call again, as always a second time, uh, great information. Uh, you could give us a follow Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uncut sports talk. And you could also uh, listen to all these live episodes on podcast, on iTunes podcast, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. As always, thank you for listening. From your host, Rhino, and your co-host, Paz. We will catch you probably tomorrow night for the College Basketball Game Day show, if not Saturday morning. It will always be out there on all of our social media sites when we're coming on. Thank you for tuning in. We hope to see you tomorrow or hope to hear from you tomorrow, Saturday. Later.